Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and to kill him. So he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Good morning, 9am. If we haven't met, my name's James Lewis. I'm a senior assistant minister here and I have uh, the joy of Looking at this passage with you today as we close out our little mini-series in the lead-up to uh, Christmas in Matthew 2. Um, so I'd love for you to have Matthew 2 open in front of you and love for you to join with me as I pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of Christmas, uh, that you sent your Son to rescue us. And so we ask this morning that it would not be a truth that we just treat like any other piece of news that we hear at this time of year, that would not just roll over us, but that you would cause us to marvel and rejoice and worship your Son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, defining moments, uh, those uh, little moments when... Can I have control of PowerPoint, please? Thanks. Those... We'll start again. Defining moments, uh, those moments uh, that push our story on. Uh, they can be moments that uh, open up wonderful new chapters for us or they can bring us to a grinding halt. Perhaps for you, it was the excitement and optimism of your first serious job. Or maybe it was the crushing disappointment of losing a job and being told, we don't need you anymore. Defining moments. Perhaps for you, it was the birth of your first child. And there was that moment when you held the little one in your arms and you knew that life would never be the same again. Or maybe it was the loss of a loved one, a friend, a spouse, a child, you, ne- you never recovered from it. And there's still that aching grief that wakes you each morning. Defining moments. Or perhaps for you it was as simple as moving from being a renter to a homeowner. And suddenly, or in, in a moment, you cared about maintenance, uh, termites and gardening all of a sudden. Defining moments. Well, Matthew chapter 2, the nation of Israel reaches a defining moment. One day... Without any warning, out of the blue, magi, not we three kings of Orient are, but magi, wise men, astrologers, magicians, arrive in Jerusalem from the east and they say, did you see verse 2, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Wow. I mean, the atmosphere must have been electric, right? The excitement, power packed, the joy double charged it's a defining moment for israel but we don't quite get what a defining moment this is for israel so so let's do this let's not just rake leaves over the top of god's word let's dig for gold in god's word so first point everything points to king jesus you see it in that phrase that occurs three times in Matthew chapter 2. It occurs many times in Matthew, uh, but three times in Matthew 2. That little phrase that says, So what was said through the prophet was fulfilled. It's there in uh, verse 15, in verse 17 and 18, and verse 23. Now, the wording's a little bit different each time, but there's that word fulfilled every time. Now, here's the thing. This isn't like polite discussion at a book group or or a reading club. You know, people are sitting around with wine and cheese and someone says, well, I see that there's a fulfillment theme in the narrative. That's not what we're talking about here. No, no. Herod has sent soldiers to Bethlehem to find every boy who is two years or under in and around Bethlehem. And when they find them, they will rip them out of their parents' arms and they will kill them. So Mary, Joseph and Jesus are fleeing for their lives in the middle of the night and in that in the terror and panic God is fulfilling his promises so that word fulfilled is not a word for polite discussion at a book group it's like a safe harbour in a storm it's like an oasis in the desert it's like a lifeline to a drowning man it is full of comfort and hope do you remember two weeks ago when our youth pastor, uh, Tim Schooler, preached? He, he used that wonderful little phrase. He said that when uh, the, Old Te- the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, uh, it's like you've grabbed the corner of a bedsheet. Do you remember that? 
So you've just got the corner, but there's so much more. There's a whole sheet there. And, and that's what's happening when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament. We often just get a couple of words or a little phrase or even a verse, and, and we think, oh, that's it. But, but it, it's actually pulling the whole bedsheet. There's so much more to come. So as we read fulfilled in Matthew 2, we've just grabbed the corner of a bedsheet. We need to keep pulling and see what else is on the sheet. So let's do that. Verse 14 of Matthew 2. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. That's quoting from Hosea chapter 11. Uh, And in Hosea chapter 11, God says that he refers to his people as my son. And he looks back to the Exodus. Remember, under the leadership of Moses, God rescued Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And God says in Hosea, I called i rescued my son out of egypt that that was then and now in matthew 2 matthew says that is fulfilled in jesus that as mary joseph and jesus flee to egypt matthew says god is preparing god is getting ready for a wonderful new exodus a new salvation and that's exactly what the angel told joseph didn't he verse 21 of matthew chapter 1 she Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will what? Save his people from their sins. A new exodus, a new salvation is coming. That's the first one. Then we come down to verse 17. Then what was fulfilled through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now, that one needs a little bit of explanation. Um, Ramah was a town uh, near Bethlehem that the Babylonians uh, used as a POW camp. So when they invaded uh, in 587 BC, they invaded Judah and Jerusalem, they destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, and they took the people of Israel away as prisoners uh, into captivity. And they stopped near Ramah as they got the men, women and children ready for the march to Babylon, a long march. Ramah was also said to be the place where Rachel was buried. Rachel in Genesis was one of the mothers of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so what Jeremiah is saying in the original passage in Jeremiah 31 is that when the exile happened, when the people of Israel were marched into slavery, into captivity, it was so horrible that it was like Rachel turned in her grave. Rachel was weeping in her tomb for her children and was refusing to be comforted. But we need to keep pulling the bedsheet because if you read on in Jeremiah 31, that grief turns to hope. God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to do a wonderful new thing. I'm going to rescue my people. And so here in Matthew chapter 2, it's filled again. Matthew says that even as Herod kills the boys in and around Bethlehem, God is getting ready for a new salvation, a new rescue. That he's going to do something so amazing that that grief again will turn to joy. And then there's verse 23. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Now that's not one particular prophet that Matthew's referring to there, but the whole sense in the Old Testament that the Messiah would come from an unimpressive, unappealing background. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus grew up in that Nowhereville, Hicksville, truck stop town, Nazareth. And he had peasants for parents, Mary and Joseph. 
He came from an unappealing and unoppressive background. All right, well, that's been a bit to take in. So let's pause, take a breath. What we've seen is that three times Matthew says the things that are happening to Jesus just in Matthew 2 are the fulfillment of God's promises. Now, we don't really get how amazing that is. Like, if we really got it, we should have goosebumps right now. Our hearts should be racing. We should want to be out of our chairs and jumping around. It's been fulfilled. So, so let's do this. I, I want you to imagine that your whole world was turned upside down in a bad way, not a good way. That this life of comfort and fun and, and laughter and security that we enjoy in Sydney in the hills was taken from us. That another nation invaded and took over Australia and changed our way of life. That each of us knew people who had had their houses burnt to the ground. That each of us had friends or family or neighbours who'd been raped or murdered by the invading army. And that our freedom to, to worship, to gather like for carols tonight, to, to think and speak in the way that we wanted, that, that, that was stifled and constricted, suffocated. Well, that's the experience of many refugees around the world, isn't it? And so imagine that like them, as we sat in our grief and our suffering, we, we longed, we ached, we yearned, we cried for the days when Australia was the lucky country. And then imagine in that, in our grief, in our hurt, God sent a message through one of his prophets that said, Comfort, comfort my people. I will come and I will rescue you. It's powerful, isn't it? So now we start to get it. Now we see that that phrase, what was said through the prophets, is fulfilled. We see how amazing that is. We see how amazing that word fulfilled is. See, fulfilled is not about neatness. It's not like God had some loose ends in the story in the Old Testament. He just needs to tie those loose ends up and finish it out. No, fulfilled tells us that the whole of the Bible, that, that all of history, that all of life points to Jesus, is fulfilled in Jesus. So you know, there's two ways to read the Bible. One way is that you read the Bible thinking that it's basically about you. What do I need to do? What do I get? What are the answers to my questions? The, the other way to read the Bible is as it really is, that it all points to Jesus. That he's the fulfillment, he's the centre, he's the focus of all life and all history. So when you read the Bible, how, did you, how do you read it? Do you, do you look for you? Or do you look for Jesus? To know him better, to worship him more, to be satisfied in him more powerfully. Do you look for Jesus? Because it all points to Jesus. Even the little moments in the story in Matthew chapter 2 do that. I don't know if you noticed. You've got angels and dreams warning and guiding people to keep baby Jesus safe. And God even uses a star to bring magi from the east to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. Do you see? Old Testament prophecies, angels, dreams, stars, everything is pointing to Jesus. Sinclair Ferguson uh, is a pastor of a church in Glasgow. You've got to say Glasgow, Scotland, right? Uh, and uh, he talks about one night, uh, a group, when he's preaching, a group of 20 to 30 people from the Middle East came into the church building during the service, which is a bit unusual, uh, but it was fine. And, and, he, and he talked to them afterwards, and he discovered that they were a group of Coptic Christians from Egypt 
who were studying at the University of Glasgow. And, uh, and while they were there, they were coming to church. And so over the coming months, they came each Sunday and he got to know them really well. And he noticed something really interesting. He noticed that there were two kinds of Coptic Christians. One kind always wanted to bring the conversation back to, well, you know, the Holy Family came to Egypt. It didn't matter what you talked about, the cross of Jesus, the grace of God, uh, um, the resurrection of Jesus. That, yeah, but you know the Holy Family came to Egypt. That was one kind of Coptic Christians. The other kind of Coptic Christians just wanted to talk about the Jesus who happened to come to Egypt. Did you see the difference? For one group, it was all about pilgrimages and holy sites and traditions. For the others, they just wanted to point to Jesus. That's right, isn't it? My name, is that your heart, that in everything you want to point to King Jesus? Because everything does point to King Jesus. But when we say King Jesus, what do we mean? There's lots of kings, lots of leaders. What's King Jesus like? Well, that's our second point, a shepherd or a murderer. You remember the Magi came and they say, where's the one destined to be king over Israel? Now, in itself, that's not a big deal, right? I mean, not a surprise. Where's someone in Israel who one day will be king? That's, that's not particularly exciting. Because um, you know, in Australia right now, there are a bunch of kids or babies um, who one day uh, will grow up to be Prime Minister of Australia. There might even be some here in this building today, like Talitha Choi or Marcus Chenchotti or Dale Mays. I'd vote for them. Well, most of them. I mean, no, no, we vote for all of them. See, it's not a, a big deal to say, where's the one born king of Israel? Someone who will be king of Israel. In the same way, it's not a big deal to say, well, there might be somewhere in Australia or in this building today, someone who will be prime minister of Australia. And Israel already had a king, didn't they? King Herod. He'd rebuilt the temple. And it actually been uh, the only ruler for many generations. It actually been able to bring peace and stability to Palestine. But here's the thing. No magi were traveling a thousand kilometers from the east to come and worship Herod. There's something special about Jesus. And Herod was a terrible king. He was actually a puppet of the Romans. They put him in place to try and keep the order. And he built, rebuilt the temple, but he meant as a monument to his glory, not God's. And he was a paranoid psychopath. Listen to this. He had his wife and some of his sons murdered because he thought they might be planning to overthrow him. How's that for a family? You know, you spill your milk at breakfast, done. Like, didn't do your homework, done. Didn't do piano practice, you're done. And as we heard in Matthew 2 today, for fear that someone might have been born who will be king over Israel, he killed all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years and under Herod was a name that produced fear and frustration, not joy and worship. So friends, will you look with me at King Jesus? The uh, religious leaders quoted from Micah chapter 5 in verse 6. You look there. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Who will shepherd my people Israel. That's so different from Herod, isn't it? It's not murder and manipulation, abuse, but will shepherd my people Israel, will watch over my people Israel. But that's just the corner of the bedsheet. Because if the religious leaders had kept on 
reading, they would have shown them, they would have read this, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Wow. Whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. This is no mere baby in a manger. This king didn't come into existence just in Mary's womb. Now, his origins are from of old, from ancient times. John chapter 1 records it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The baby in the womb, the baby in the manger, was God enfleshed. Or as we read in Matthew 1, quoting from Isaiah, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, that would be amazing in itself, that God would come and be with us, but keep pulling the bedsheet, because when we get to verse 4 of Micah 5, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. See, he's not a puppet like Herod, little, tiny, unimportant Herod. The Chinese had not really cared for Herod. The Sioux Indians of North America didn't know Herod. The Aboriginal tribes of the Pilbara had no concern for Herod. But Micah prophesied that Jesus would be great to the ends of the earth. And friends, here we are in Sydney in 2016 and Jesus is great to the ends of the earth. Amen? You see, emperors come and go, kings rise and fall, but there's no one like King Jesus. God with us, to shepherd us, to watch over us, to lead us, to protect us. So the question this morning is, will you be a spectator or a worshipper? Because remember that Herod asked the religious leaders, where is the Messiah born? And what did they say? Bethlehem. Absolutely right. 100%, A+, nailed it, top of the class, well done. And then what did they do? Nothing. Nothing. They just went back to studying the Bible, went back to work. Isn't that staggering and and tragic? I mean, is it just me? This is not a passing conversation in the hallway at work. You know, you're walking along. Hey, when do you think, where do you think the Messiah will be going? I heard Bethlehem. That's what I heard. But are we still on for lunch tomorrow? It's not a passing conversation. Look what happens in verse 3 when they ask about the the Messiah. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. It's not a passing conversation. Everyone's talking about this. It's on the news, a current affair today, tonight. It's trending on Twitter. Facebook is going crazy with with likes and and, and comments and shares and tags. And everyone's saying, have you heard? I, I think someone's asked about whether the Messiah is born in Bethlehem. Jerusalem is going crazy and the religious leaders do nothing. Don't you want to just yell at them, get to Bethlehem! Their apathy is staggering. The Messiah comes. The defining moment for Israel, what they've been waiting for, and they are spectators, commentators, observers. Get in the game, boys! And they are the complete opposite to the Magi, aren't they? Let's have a look at verses 9 to 11 again. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. 
On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Now, we, we tend to focus in on the gifts, three gifts, and so that's why we think three kings, right? And we miss what they did when they saw him. Did you see that, verse 10? Verse 11, sorry. And they bowed down and worshipped him. They worshipped him. They bowed down and gave him awe and reverence. And then don't miss verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, our English translation there is a little bit weak because in the original language, in the Greek, it's they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Right? It's sort of an overkill of words trying to capture how overjoyed they were. So put yourself in, in, in their shoes for a moment. You've travelled from Babylon to a journey of about a thousand kilometres and, and you didn't fly uh, first class or cattle class at all. No, you didn't drive. You probably went on a camel and it's a long, hard journey. And, and then you get to, Beth, to Jerusalem and they say it's, the baby's in Bethlehem. And, and so then you're on the way there to Bethlehem and you imagine them talking. It's only about eight kilometres and then we get to see him. And then they see the star rest over the house where Jesus is. And we get to see him. And they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. So 9am, this Christmas, today, this morning, in this moment, are you like the religious leaders or are you like the Magi? Are you a spectator or a worshipper? Are you an observer or a believer? Are you a commentator or a follower? See, see, if you're like the religious leaders, if you're just a spectator, if you're just an observer, if you're just a commentator, then you won't really enjoy Jesus. You need to see him as he really is. So, so let me remind you that the Bible says that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace and the Son of God. So do you worship him today? That Jesus is eternally merciful, enduringly strong, completely just, beautifully forgiving and wonderfully compassionate. Do you worship him today? Jesus is unrivaled in power. He's the centerpiece of history and he's the only one who can save. So do you worship him today? Jesus sympathizes with the broken He guides and protects. He heals and comforts. He lifts up the humble. He sustains the tired and hurting. He humbles the proud. He forgives sinners. So do you worship him today? His life is matchless. His goodness limitless. His mercy everlasting. His love never changes. His word is powerful. His grace is sufficient. His forgiveness is limitless. So do you worship him today? I wish I had more and better words to describe him. His beauty is beyond all measures. He's like nothing and no one in all the world. That is King Jesus. So do you worship him this morning? Perhaps you've heard all this before. You know all this, but you know that you've got lost in the trees. So this Christmas... Every time you sing a carol, say to yourself, that's King Jesus. There's no one like him. And every time you open a gift or see someone else open a gift, remind yourself the greatest gift is God with us, King Jesus. 
Or maybe this morning you know you're like the Magi. You've just been living your life and God has broken in and opened your eyes to Jesus. And you don't have all the details worked out, but like them, you just want to bow down and worship him and marvel at him. 